You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. And today we kick off a new series with my buddy Mark Kenyon. Um, and Mark's going to talk about fly fishing. And why are we talking about fly fishing on a deer hunting podcast? Well, it's very simple. Every year, deer hunting season ends. And then later in the year, deer hunting season starts. So we have this period of time where there is no deer hunting to be had right we can do our food plots and we can go shed hunting and we can do scouting and and all that stuff but there are so many other things to do and this that's why this series is called anything but deer hunting and so i'm gonna get guests on that do trapping and coon hunting and fly fishing and pheasant hunting and and uh we're going to kind of cycle through all these other opportunities and these people are going to give us uh, basically a sales pitch of why this outdoor activity outside of deer hunting is something that they feel other people should do. So uh, that's what uh, this new series is about. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Like I said, we kick off this series with my buddy Mark Kenyon of Wired to Hunt and uh, his second love really is fly fishing. And uh, he talks about the balance between deer hunting and fly fishing. He talks about how how fun fly fishing is. And uh, so hopefully you guys enjoy uh, that conversation. Before we get into the episode, we gotta do a little uh, whoring out, I guess you would say say we gotta we gotta pay the bills so if you're looking for a saddle do me a favor go check out tethered tethered has a full lineup of saddles saddle hunting accessories climbing sticks saddle platforms and uh, on top of that they have a very very deep knowledge base uh, surrounded around content on their website and on their YouTube channel that will allow you to become better educated on saddle hunting. So uh, go check out Tethered. Uh, next on the list, I'm just going to say the discount code first because usually I forget it. If you want a 20% discount from Wasp Broadheads, NFC20 gets you 20% off. Now, 
why should you bribe buy wasp broadheads i've been shooting them for like 14 15 years absolutely love the jackhammer three blade love the boss four blade uh and why do i love these heads number one they they make me feel confident that when my arrow hits a deer even on a marginal shot i feel like i'm going to recover that deer and so uh awesome design awesome material the majority of their heads are still made in the united states so uh keep that in mind when you're looking for broadheads uh wasparchery.com hunt stand uh hunt stand this time of year is really about just looking for the future looking to where i feel i should shed hunt uh, looking at all the data that i've collected throughout the years all the pins uh checking out where the scrapes were where the rubs were uh reflecting on the past season and then using that information to look forward to the next season uh and try to put myself in even better position to get better shot opportunities at uh, all these you know all these deer that are uh are running around the, the countryside so huntstand.com go there read up on all the functionality it is truly amazing and while you're there uh, upgrade your account to the new pro whitetail platform and again go go uh, learn about that on huntstand.com last but not least vortex optics man the guys at vortex are 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 really good at what they do and i mean the customer service the products and when you have both of those things come together uh it's it's truly amazing so vortexoptics.com go check out out their lineup of spotting scopes range finders binoculars rifle scopes and red dots uh, on top of that they have a vip warranty that allows you to really uh, uh like really use your equipment because if you use it the way you should you're taking it everywhere you go and if you break it damage it you can send it in uh, they will fix it for free and then send it back to you and then on top of that uh it, again just amazing customer service so vortexoptics.com check out their new uh I'm, I'm supposed to say this check out their new tripod i have it it's awesome go check it out if you're a western hunter or if you love just like maybe velvet spotting if you're looking something for your spotting scope or any any other things you would use a tripod for you got to check this uh, tripod out it's pretty cool vortexoptics.com and then last but not least uh 2023 we're talking about giving back a lot so if you want to find out more about how you can give back to conservation go visit fishandwildlife.org and see how you can get two percent for conservation certified so there's that let's get into today's episode uh anything but deer hunting with mark kenyon three two one all right so i'm here with mark kenyon and and a lot of people know mark in the whitetail world and on this episode we're going to be talking about this is a series that I, I've started, and really what it is is everything except whitetails. And I'm going to be talking with guys like Mark. I'm going to be talking to guys like uh, Tony Peterson. He he loves to fish for smallmouth. He loves to uh, do the pheasant thing. I'm going to talk to some guys who love running coon dogs, uh, turkey hunters, just anything outside of this space that I feel almost like I've, I've pigeonholed myself into the whitetail world. And so, Mark, today we're going to be talking with you about fly fishing. And so, the first thing I want to ask you is, when did your fly fishing journey kind of start? 
it really started um well i had a little tiny snippet of an experience with back when i was a kid my dad and i did like a day lesson kind of class thing when i was i don't know maybe fifth grade sixth grade junior high somewhere in that ballpark maybe so i had like a taste of it and i thought it was cool but i never continued with it i think i was intimidated by the knots and like there was there's so many different things i remember thinking like ah, i just can't keep up with it and i fell in love with bass fishing tournament bass fishing and all that kind of stuff so i did that a lot when i was younger uh then for the next like 10 15 years you know i was always seeing fly fishing in the media or in books or you know a river runs through it or, or somewhere i see it and be like oh man that just looks incredible i gotta do that someday i gotta do it and then in my adult life that continued I started going out west and I'd see people out fishing out there and, and same thing. I'd see them, you know, fishing on a lake when I'm on a backpacking trip and I'm thinking, geez, I should have a fishing pole out here. I should learn to do that. But I kept dragging my feet. Um, but in 2014, maybe, or 15, 2014 or 15, somewhere in that ballpark, my wife and I started um, going and renting a cabin in Idaho for the summer. And we would spend three or four months living out there. And so that first year I did that, I decided, okay, this is the year I'm learning to fly fish. I got to do this. And I remember I saw that spring, I had seen a video. I had this, this, I can tell you like the exact video, the exact, not the exact time, but like when I watched this one video, it was just for whatever reason, just like captured my imagination so much. I thought, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm buying a fly rod right now. So I bought the fly rod online at Cabela's combo set. 2014 probably like i said and then um and then we rented the place in idaho and i was like all right i'm figuring it out and that spring and summer i had no idea what i was doing hadn't you know other than that one day of training 15 years prior which i remember pretty much none of um didn't know what i was doing and just started reading stuff started watching videos started going to the local fly shops and asking questions and that's that's where it began so Less than 10 years ago. Gotcha. So were there any or are there any fly fishing opportunities in Michigan, or do you just spend most of your time out west doing it? There's actually a ton of opportunities in Michigan. Um, just not so much where I live in Michigan. So there's a really a strong trout fishery across the northern half of the state probably yeah. um, and along the west side of the coast. Um, so there's some really good fishing down where i'm at there's just not a lot going on as far there's no cold water fishery down here yeah. there are some smallmouth in some of these small kind of rivers around here that i've experimented with a little bit mm -hmm. um but unfortunately not a ton here but i can drive about three hours and get into some pretty good stuff up in the northern part of the state um but my thing is like as you know like for our day job for hunting um, that side of things, I travel so much mm -hmm. to go do that kind of thing. I'm away from the family so much that I feel bad taking off when I'm not doing those things to go for a day or two or three just for fun with no work, you know, behind it. But so, so for that reason, I don't end up going fly fishing as much when I'm in Michigan because it takes like a full day or two to go and do these things while when I'm out West still, which, which now, as you know, I have my own cabin out there. We spend four months a year out there. I can drive. I can walk three, four minutes down the road and be fishing. Yeah. Um, so I get to fish a ton when we're out there because it's all around me. Gotcha. What's the learning curve for, because this isn't some, uh, you know, Zebco push button cast you can buy at Walmart. What's the learning curve for fly fishing? 
I mean, there is a real learning curve, um, but you can you can go out there and get started and have fun, you know, with yeah. minimal instruction and, and skills and gear. Like you don't have to have it all figured out right away. To really have it figured out, it takes years and years and years. Like I'm I'm approaching a decade of spending a lot of time doing this, and I still feel like I have so much more to learn. And that's I think why I love it. Right. You know, it's it's like bow hunting in that way. You yeah. can go so so deep. There's so much nuance. There's so much detail. There's so much learning of the landscape and the animal, and how you put all these things together. It's it's really like the the water version of bow hunting for mature whitetails. Mm-hmm. It's how I feel fly fishing is. Yep. And um, so significant learning curve. There's so much you can dig into, but at the same time, you can get started and have a good time, you know, with with a good friend that can mentor you a little bit in a, in a day on the water. Um, so it just depends on what you're trying to get out of it. Yeah. Um, there are certainly people who, you know, book a guided trip with a guide on a river having never fly fished before. And by the end of that day, they're casting decently with a nymph rig and catching fish. Yeah. Um, so it's possible to get out there and get doing it. I would say the moral of what I'm trying to get here at is that before I started fly fishing, like I said, there's a lot of years where I looked at it from afar and thought, man, I want to do that. I should do that. Mm-hmm. But I was intimidated by it. I just thought there was like too much to figure out, too many knots, too much gear, too many things I just didn't understand. Um, and I regret it. Yeah, I regret having waited so long because this thing is is really up my alley. And if I picked it up when I was 15 instead of when I was 25 or whatever it was, I would have been a lot farther along and yeah. I would have had a lot of fun in the interim. Oh, heck yeah. So, we, you know, we've me and you, we've had a lot of these conversations about like the patience level and the attention to detail that you mentioned with whitetails. I feel like me and you could probably, even on a bad, hot day, go out and and find some decent success trying to locate and kill a whitetail in the worst possible conditions. But my experience, and this isn't outside of fly fishing, but just fishing in general, if the fish aren't biting, they're not biting. So how do you, how, how do you deal with that? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it's um at least with fly fishing the way I've been progressing with it, it is there's there's different levels of where you can get to with yeah. fishing where I think I'm learning now. I used to have this feeling like, man, if fish aren't biting, the fish aren't biting, I couldn't figure it out. I'm slowly figuring out many different methods though and many different ways. Like fish fish live in different places at different parts of the day, at different parts in the river mm-hmm. at different temperatures are going to feed different times or different ways. But I'm slowly discovering that there are less and less times when they're 100% not biting. Like right. there are ways to catch fish when it's, when the easy thing, or when the obvious thing isn't working, there's almost always like a plan B that some fish will still be operating on. And when that doesn't work, there's usually still a plan C where you can, you know, get something going. So yeah, like in the fly world, 
the fish biting would be like when there's a hatch on. And mm -hmm. so there's lots of bugs coming out of the water and the fish are feeding on these flies up on top. Well, sometimes there just aren't hatches going on. So for the yeah. first like five years of my fly fishing journey, you know, if the fish weren't feeding on top and there weren't visible, you know, hatches happening, I had no idea what to do. And I was kind of in that boat that you're describing where, man, the fish aren't biting. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I would just flail around and nothing would work and I get really frustrated. And then I started learning, well, you know, 95% of the time, actually, the fish aren't feeding on top. So I'm only seeing the five, I'm thinking that the fish are biting, but it's only 5% yeah. of that time. But the fish are actually feeding 95% of the time beneath the surface of the water. So then I had to realize, okay, well, how do you catch fish beneath the surface of the water with fly gear? And then I started learning about nymphs and different things like that. And then you start learning, well, there's actually a third kind of thing that fish feed on. So if they're not feeding on nymphs, you can sometimes um induce an aggression response like uh like a uh what's the word i'm looking here for dan it's like a hmm, like a yeah. challenge or or a sort of yeah yeah like a territorial response I'm, mm -hmm. I'm blanking on the right word i'm trying to think of here but you can use something called streamers mm -hmm. which are like you know in the traditional bass world like a jerk bait or a crankbait or something like that where you basically yank and strip and jerk this thing that looks like a fish that invades another fish's space or that, you know, flashes right past them. And even if they're not hungry, even if they're not, you know, biting, mm. they will out of, out of instinct, lash out and strike at that thing. Yeah. So you can still catch fish in those kinds of, in, in those kinds of instances. So I guess what I'm getting at is what I've found interesting about fishing. The same thing about, you know, hunting whitetails, the deeper you get, the more you can learn how to deal with tough circumstances. So yeah, you and I could kill a deer, on even the worst condition day and i'm learning i'm getting better and better about even it, being able to figure out how to catch fish on the worst days too yeah and i think what i love about both hunting and fly fishing is like this never-ending learning opportunity like i just love i'm so curious and it's yeah. like your never-ending puzzle you're slowly putting these pieces together what's easier to get lucky at whitetail hunting or fly fishing hmm that's a really good question um, I'll say fishing because, you know, when you're fishing, you get many, many, many opportunities, mm -hmm. right? Right. I mean, there might be dozens of fish in front of you and at times there's not at all, but there will be, there will be times when there's lots of fish around and you can, you can aimlessly cast and happen to cast in the vicinity of a fish and you might not know anything that's going on and you might actually get that, you know, hook in a fish. Yeah. With a deer, you can get super lucky, right? I, I would call it a super lucky situation with a deer would be like, you don't know where you are, you don't know what you're doing, but you walk out into the woods, you sit down by a tree, and a deer happens to come walking by. Right. And so that would be very, very lucky. But still in that instance, there's some serious stuff that you got to manage to pull off, like being able to get the shot, right? make an accurate shot, and all that kind of stuff. And yes, people still get lucky in that kind of way, but it's just the gravity of that moment is higher. Um, and you might have one lucky moment while you could have, you know, on some days you could have dozens of lucky moments with little fish or something like that. Right. Right. Um, I'm going to uh, say, I'll say fishing and get luckier. Okay. So, you know, like with a, and I know this is different for every state, but in the pinnacle of a whitetail hunter, and I don't know if it's this number anymore, but 170 Boone and Crockett, you know, like that would be a game-changing whitetail to, to kill. What's the pinnacle 
for a fly fisherman? Is it like different species? Is it size? Yeah. So I think it's, it's a combination of both. Um, as I'm getting deeper and deeper into it, I'm realizing that, you know, I started with trout Mm -hmm. and I think trout is still like the number one game species for sure for fly anglers. Um, and so when it comes to trout, you know, size is, is definitely a thing. And I would say like 20 inches, like a threshold or like, man, that's a big trout. Mm -hmm. I think you get to like the two foot mark. Maybe that's like a booner, yeah, like a 24 inch brown trout or something, or, I mean, that's a big, big trout. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, for the, for the trout guys, um, then I think a lot of fly anglers, if they start with trout, they eventually do get this interest in other species. Um, you know, and I think that's the next thing is like, if you were to talk about like the pinnacle species, now it's like, man, catching a, a tarpon on a yeah. fly, catching a permit on a fly, like some of these saltwater fish that are, you know, either incredibly difficult to catch on a fly, like just insanely picky about what they're willing to fight or what they're willing to bite on or in the case of like a tarpon which is i don't know if you're familiar with what tarpon are mm-hmm. damn but they're just gigantic i mean they can be they can be 12 feet long um monstrous fish that you would fish for just like you're fishing for a pike or something you have to learn not only the difficulty of trying to get a fish like that to take the fly but then there's this unbelievable challenge of trying to get that fish to the boat yeah. um with with fly gear i mean it's, it's very different than like even using like spinning gear or bait casting gear or something you have to really finesse things and you have to know how to move and how to move them when they're doing different things um how to adjust when the fish jumps out of the water you've got to like adjust the tension in the line so there's there's all of these different variables that you have to figure out how to handle with that kind of fish yeah so so i would say like there would be that next level so for me you know it was how do I catch a lot of fish? You know, how do I catch any fish? Then it was how do I catch a lot of fish? And then it was kind of where I'm now with trout is like, how do I catch big fish? I'm still in that phase of my thing with trout. Um, and, and I'm just starting to dip my toes into the new species stuff. And so I've started doing some saltwater trips and um, that's been really exciting and addicting. So, yeah. So now my next personal thing is like, I want to catch a tarpon. Okay. Um, I had some close calls a couple of weeks ago. I went down to the Keys in Florida and um, hooked into some tarpon, and it was just amazing. Yeah. Um, but wasn't able to land one. So my next my next uh, mountain to try to climb is is to pull that off someday. Yeah, I got a, a, a mutual friend of ours, Bob Polanik. He's been down in uh, the Caribbean somewhere. I don't know if it was the Keys. I think it was an, another island. And uh, him and his wife would went into the mangrove groves, and he was they were catching tarpon, yep. but the smaller ones, not the the yep, big the baby tarpon. Yeah, and so yep. uh, I, I I talked to him a little bit about that, and he's like, dude, it is amazing. And so, and then yeah. you know, back in the day, I don't know if these shows are on, but there was the there's like a traveling angler show. It's uh, like I think it's called Fly Rod Chronicles or or something like that. Yep. And yeah, is that with Flip Pallet? It could be, but it's a it's a lot of saltwater type uh, fly rod adventures, and he's in Belize or he's in you know somewhere tarpon or somewhere in Asia, and it's just I've always I've always looked at fly fishing on a way different level than let's just say your average whitetail hunting, right? I've looked at it as like almost like a fairy tale 
type of of sport and what i mean by that is it's it it's definitely doable but it's just like it's a it's a it's a next step evolutionary uh thing for an outdoorsman if that makes if that makes any sense yeah for it does for sure and i think it's you know it's it's similar to like when someone says well i want to go from being a hunter a gun hunter to being a bow hunter yeah and then you get some bow hunters who are like man I'm ready to make it even more difficult. I'm re- I want to become a traditional archer. Yeah. And so I think it's the same thing with fly fishing is that like, if you are willing to give up the benefits of traditional fishing tackle mm-hmm. and say, man, I want to make it harder to cast. I want to make it harder to present a lure <laughs> and I want to make it harder to land this thing like that. All of that is a whole lot of challenge right. and you have to, uh, you have to be willing to, you know, the fishing is less so about just the fish and more so about the experience yeah. when you are willing to make those sacrifices. Right. And so I think I think fly fishing then, like the people who are willing to do all that, who who want to have a certain experience versus just like the best chance to put a fish in the boat, you then get, you know, the adventure, you then get the travel, you then get the, the setting, all these different things are important to that kind of person. Mm-hmm. So I think those things end up going hand in hand. Um, and so it really appeals to me, um, for all those reasons. And, um, it's just crazy, crazy addicting. And it's different than deer hunting though, in a way like with deer hunting, um, there's a lot of thought and strategy that goes into it. But when you're actually out there doing it, you know, you you sit down and you sit and wait Mm -hmm. and like all of the decisions you made that impact or not all of them, but many of the decisions that will impact your success today, let's say happened a week ago or two yeah. months ago or six months ago when you planned and you prepped and you scouted and you hung the stands and you did all these things. Um, a lot of the time though, you're sitting and waiting for a thing to happen. Um, and your mind has time to wander and you can just be kind of spaced out or watching whatever. But when you're fly fishing, um, I'll, I'll say when, when you're deer hunting an all day sit, I mean, an all day sit can feel like forever <laughs> like right? jail time I mean, you, yeah it can feel like jail time when you fly fish uh everything is happening right now every single cast is your entire life mm-hmm. like everything rests on the next moment on the next second on the next decision as soon as you cast you're two thousand percent focused on that fly you're watching everything that's happening you're making micro adjustments with your line you're trying to watch what's happening underneath the water you know, you bring in that cast. Now you have to make this next perfect presentation. You have to analyze the wind, the water conditions, the surroundings, your whatever. And then you make that next cast and then you're watching it, you're adjusting it. And that can go on for hours and hours and hours and hours. And you won't think about anything else that entire time period. There's, there's zero room to think about anything. And the time flies like that. Yeah. And so you are just, you're fully consumed. And then all of a sudden you're like, where did the day go? Um, (laughs) So it's just a very different kind of engagement. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's crazy. And then the one other thing I'll add is that like from a simple, like fun standpoint, um, you know, with deer hunting, you have these long, long periods of waiting and waiting and waiting. And then like once a year or a couple times a year, you have this massive, you know, dopamine avalanche yeah. when you finally succeed. Um, fishing in general but in my case with fly fishing it's instead like monotony work 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 then you finally get a bite or you catch and then you get this dopamine bump of like this rush and yeah. then work 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 work, and then another one and then another one and so it's like 
your rewards for the work and time and energy are more frequent, or at least you get like micro awards more often. Right. So in that kind of way, it's um, pleasurable is the wrong word, but it's it is uh, I don't know it's it's very very rewarding yeah. in a in a more like man this is just fun right now laid back man like, I mean you could crush some beers can you back. can you can be a little loud you can, can play some music yeah. right. Can't, I really yeah. wouldn't feel comfortable crushing a six pack while I'm hanging <laughs> off a saddle. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's 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 more room for type one fun, right. In fly fishing, while deer hunting has got to be a lot more type two fun. Right. Right. So I've heard you talk in the past about, you know, you your life used to be weighted whitetail heavy, and then you then you level then you brought in fly fishing, and it's kind of. Uh, there's, there's, there's this balance. Talk to us about that balance. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, it's been a really helpful balance. Um, and it's it's something, though, that I felt guilty about for a while. You know, I used to feel like I'd heard a few people say, like, if you want to be good at deer hunting, if you're going to be a, if you want to call yourself a deer hunter or a whitetail hunter, um, you can't have any other hobbies. Mm-hmm. You can't put time towards anything else you aren't allowed to do that or else you will never be good at this right you will never qualify and so i used to think okay well i can't i can't do this other stuff i got to be 100 percent focused if i'm not working january february march april may june july august i'll never be able to reach my whitetail goals um and so i spent you know an enormous amount of time doing this stuff and then i would place in a more an enormous pressure on myself to to succeed quote unquote in certain kinds of ways um, and all of that led to some level of burnout It led to some level of the fun, losing it, uh, leaving it, um, et cetera, et cetera. But as I found this other love, it has been this like equal opposite force, which has balanced me out, which has provided me like a, a place like I'm, 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 uh, a, I'm a obsessive personality. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go into something, I go hard. Yeah. Um, and then B like I, I'm just, I want to constantly be, be like pursuing something, hunting and fishing, like hunting and fishing appeals to me in, in a, you know, just like taps my internal buttons in some kind of way. And so with fly fishing, I'm able to have that pursuit. I'm able to like stretch and use my obsessive muscles to learn about this new thing and dive into this new thing. But I'm able to do it in like a, it, it, it scratches different itches. It mm-hmm. exercises different parts of my my mind and my muscles and, and all that kind of stuff, but there's not the same like expectations tied to it. So right. like there's certain goals and expectations tied to my deer hunting, which I love mm-hmm. still. Um, but on the hunt on the fishing side, I can now have this other thing that's just for me. It's just purely for fun. It there's the gravity of it is not nearly that, yeah. which is with, you know, hunting. Right. Um, and I needed that. So I have this other outlet now that I can constantly still be like, pressing the buttons I need to press to be like a happy person, but they're kind of way. Yeah. And not only that, it's, it's, I think maybe a better outdoorsman in general 
it's also, I think, helped me enjoy hunting more as I've learned different things and, and released certain pressures as I've gotten into these other sides of the outdoor experience. Um, and um, and that, that, I think, has put me in a place now where I'm just a lot happier. I'm enjoying these outdoor pursuits in different kinds of ways. I've learned to kind of push off some of those pressures that I used to have. Yeah. And I think because of that, you know, I'm successful too, yeah. which is great. Awesome, man. Uh, so here's where you become a salesman for fly fishing. Uh, the, the whole point of this series is to open people up to different opportunities outside of the whitetail world. So Mark Kenyon, sell some guy fly fishing. Well, if you like to hunt, if you like to bow hunt, if you like to have close, intimate experiences out in nature, if you want to pursue something that's challenging, that pushes you, um, that makes you, you know, constantly grow as an individual. And then you also want to have the chance to see a beautiful animal and to tangle with it, to be connected in some kind of way. If you want to do that more than maybe once a year with your bow tag, pick up fly fishing and you can do it dozens and dozens and dozens of times all throughout the year. It will push you to learn new things. It's just so damn much fun. It's like, you know, watching a football game and your team scores a touchdown. Well, that's a great little burst of excitement and fun. Well, imagine if you could just do that again and again right. and again and again. And you can constantly challenge yourself to, to better understand how to get that rush and how to, you know, literally connect yourself by a piece of line to another living thing but you're doing it in the most improbable way possible with feathers yeah. and string and this tiny little hook and then what's in your brain you have to outsmart this animal and trick it with the most delicate of possible imitations um super challenging but at the same time so 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 much fun and it can take you to beautiful yeah so real quick then, what uh, do you have any suggestions if someone is looking to if someone's looking to find out more about fly fishing, any resources that you could point them in? Did I lose you for a second? If I'll just say this, if there is any resources out there that you would recommend, where should people go look to become a better fly fisherman or or, or just learn about it? Yeah, so there are some, you know, there's a lot of great resources out there. You can go, for me, one of the best was the Orvis uh, online video courses. Mm -hmm. They had a bunch of videos that kind of walked you through how to how to get started with casting, how to choose flies, how to read the water. Um, there are also some instructional books from Orvis as well that I found really good by Tom Rosenbauer. Those would be, you know, the best, like, beginner how-to books I've seen. Um, there's a little red it's called the Little Red Book of Fly Fishing okay. by Kirk Dieter and someone else. That's another good one. Um, and then on YouTube, I mean, there's so many great tutorials now on YouTube for, you know, how to tie certain knots, how to read the wall. I mean, how to do anything. Yeah. YouTube's great. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I would say, though, you know, getting like uh, a little time on the water with a real person can help a lot. So, you know, I have... I, I'm not very interested in going on guided hunts. Like that's not something I've, I've tried it now. It's yeah. just not my cup of tea. Um, but I have found like the value of paying for a day on the water with a guide 
is it's very different. It's yeah. like you get a, a day long tutorial gotcha. with an expert. Gotcha. Um, and that I found very useful because mm-hmm. otherwise you're out there trying to figure it out on your own and you have no idea. Like, is this cast right? Am I reading this right? Is this right? Um, a day with a guide is like a day with a professor who can break down everything you're doing and show you how to do these things in person. And, and that, you know, once you've gone through some of the self-learning through YouTube and these video courses and reading the books and you feel like, okay, I kind of know what I'm doing, but it's still not all the way connecting, you know, a day with a guide is definitely a great way to level up. If you don't have a friend or mentor who can do that for you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Mr. Mark Kenyon of Wired to Hunt, I really appreciate you uh, taking time to talk about fly fishing today. Yeah, man. You're welcome. It was fun. And there you have it. Huge shout out to Mark. Appreciate your time. Thanks for taking a listen to this episode, guys. Please go to iTunes. Please leave a five-star review. That helps get the the name of this podcast out there and more people can find it. So uh, thank you very much. Huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Hunt Stand, Vortex Optics. Again, go check out fishandwildlife.org. Be safe. Have fun. Treat people with respect. Be kind. Uh, eat healthy, work out, um, treat yourself to some ice cream, um, give your wife a back massage, and hopefully that leads to something else. Uh, What else? Uh, Good vibes in, good vibes out, and we'll talk to you next time.